going and, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting people to think about the the issues and the purposes of uh, the problem that started this Reformation movement. Of course, we started way over in Germany and different places in England, and, and we kind of ended up in England with uh, uh, the rule of uh, Bloody Mary and, and her... Uh, uh, Actions taken to uh, quell this Protestantism movement, and eventually uh, her her reign was relatively short, about four years, and her sister, half sister, uh, her niece Elizabeth, ascended to the throne, and so uh, this movement kept going. But anyway, we also noticed that within this Protestant movement, they were missing a lot of things that. Uh, were espoused by the reformers. They didn't embrace a lot of those things. Uh, the Bible is the only rule of faith and practice. They instead instituted creeds and synods and councils and, and different things, different legislative bodies. Uh, the reformers, one of the big things for the reformer was you read the Bible yourself, right? Remember, because the Bible wasn't available. They didn't, the Catholic Church didn't make it available to the laity. Right, the normal person, because obviously the normal person doesn't have enough sense to be able to read through the Bible and determine what God has to say. You've got to have a priest telling you that. So they, they in essence, also rejected uh, an individual reading for himself or herself the Bible, judging individually not uh, what God's laws are, but judging in the sense that determining himself or herself what God has said not relying upon uh, what some priest had to say. And finally, uh, the idea that every member of the New Testament church is a priest. It's a priesthood. In fact, what Peter called us a royal priesthood. And so they had rejected those three <coughs> uh, main tenets of, or foundational elements of the Reformation movement. So... Uh, we see that uh, the Reformation spread throughout Europe. Uh, the Reformation of Scotland resulted in lay preachers. These are people who were not, quote, ordained or uh, uh, trained properly, right? The vast majority of uh, preachers in the Lord's Church, might, you know, the world would refer to them as lay preachers, right? Lay preachers. Uh, tent-making preachers. Uh, there are probably more part-time preachers who are self-educated than there are preachers who went through some type of school or training. And it has been my experience, the greatest preachers are those that, just like that. Those just like that. And uh, so uh, that's what was happening in Scotland. And so... The, uh, the lay preacher was beginning to turn the theology, the ideas of the people, particularly in Scotland, toward that. And so because of that, uh, different organizations, quote, churches began to, to pop up with, with varying beliefs, none of them the same. Now remember, we're, we're not, we haven't got to the restoration, we're almost there. But there were still varying belief systems and, uh, uh, for instance, uh, uh, a church established in Scotland, known as a nonconformist, didn't conform to the Church of England. <clears throat> they were called the Tabernacle Church Lath Walk. 
That's the title of it. It's called The Tabernacle Church, L-E-I-T-H, Lath Walk. I, I I never could decide why they came up with that. But one of the things they chose to do was to, they began to observe monthly communion because uh, Catholic Church, the Church of England, wasn't doing it correctly. But even uh, by the time of, uh, by the close of 1802, they had even progressed to where they said, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. So we see the movement <clears throat> trending toward apostolic teaching and trying to go back to the... Uh, to the uh, uh, New Testament church. And then by the end of 1807, there were more than 85 independent churches that popped up uh, out of that movement. And so further advance of this idea and the different changing theology, getting away from, obviously, (coughs) they made a great effort to get away from the Catholic church. Now they're pulling away from the Church of England, or also known as the Established Church. And so we see these great advancements. Then we come to a group of people throughout this movement in Scotland known as the Scotch Baptists, okay? Now, what we're not going to do is go through and hit every single denomination that that had erupted during that time. It just, we don't have time and that would get to be a little tedious, but we're going to mention some of the prominent ones in relation to their role in bringing about the Restoration Movement. some of the members who began to look around and say, hey, this isn't what the Bible says. So they they moved out of the movement into another movement. Okay, so anyway, uh, the Scotch Baptist Church is holding the immersion of believers as the only authorized baptism uh, have stood out against the apostasy of the world, not not as Baptist, but even from the days of the apostles, okay? Because that's what the apostles taught. That's New Testament uh, doctrine. Full immersion in water, uh, as which is baptism. That's the baptism, right? When we look at the definition of baptism, it means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. When we look in the New King James Version, and, and I'm sure, or the King James Version, and I'm sure the New King James, same thing. <clears throat> most most versions are. That word, baptizo, is uh, that's not a translation. That's a transliteration, where you take the Greek word and you add an English ending to it. Why did that happen in the in the New in the King James Bible? Well. King James was uh, poured as a form of baptism. They poured, okay? And so, not wanting to offend the king, they transliterated the word, okay? That may be one of the greatest mistakes in the history of any translation. Uh, in fact, and I would, you know, I, I collect different uh, versions of the Bible and. I would love to get my hands on. There's a Baptist version of the Bible that translated the word immersion. And it didn't last long because then they began to figure out, well, we've taken our name plumb out of this book. And you can't you can't even find a copy of it. Boy, they did a great job on translating that the Bible. 
and you just can't hardly you can't find I can't find a copy of it anywhere. But at any rate, <clears throat> so uh, the apostles from way back, first century uh, Christians and following have always fought against the apostasy of some other kind of baptism, right? Because that, that's not even a good way to state it. Because baptism is immersion. Immersion is baptism, okay? And so when we, when we see people saying, well, what form of baptism? Well, there's only one form of baptism, you know, if we're going to look at what the definition of the word is. But at any rate, people like that were, were frequently driven into hiding because they supported the, the uh, New Testament doctrine of what baptism is. Uh, the Baptists of England were in uh, far more accord with apostolic doctrine at this time than present-day Baptists. Far more uh, closer, Kim, because you know what they said about baptism? You have to be fully immersed for the remission of sin, to be forgiven. That was the doctrine they held. So it was really a whole different organization. It, w- it wasn't anywhere near what the denomination that holds that name today is. Uh, but when we look in Scotland, there's no evidence of any kind of a Baptist church until the 18th century. So we're talking about the 1700s. And uh, except for one short period of time when a soldier of Cromwell's army had uh, formed a group that referred to themselves as Baptists. But again, not like the denomination we're talking about today. They were Baptists in the sense that they held to the biblical doctrine of what baptism was. And of course, then that, that didn't last long until again the 18th century. But... Uh, as this Scottish Baptist movement began to expand and to go, there, there arose another departure from biblical teaching. And one of the forces behind the Baptist movement was a man named Archibald McLean. Archibald McLean. Now here is what his departure on baptism was. Uh, you have to be baptized by an elder. And... Maybe even more so, uh, a problem with those among this group was if you were going to be able to take the Lord's Supper, you had to have an elder present to take the Lord's Supper. Had to have an elder present. Where do we read that? Well, they had a big problem in, in Jerusalem when the church was first established, didn't they? Because they were under apostolic authority. They didn't have any elders. What about... Uh, all the places where Timothy and Titus were, where Paul wrote to him, told told, uh, them to choose elders or ordain elders in every city, particularly uh, talking to Titus, uh, you know, take care of the matters that were not in order. So they would have been in trouble, right? And so this was was a problem. Now, they did... uh, see the necessity of taking the Lord's Supper every Sunday, but when an elder wasn't present, had to be omitted. Had to be omitted. But <clears throat> it wasn't too long after this that more enlightened people, people more drawn into the light, began to understand that wasn't biblical. That wasn't a scriptural teaching. So uh, they, uh, they said, we're not going to follow that. And what if you had men who couldn't be elders, you know, 
And this is what they base their, their uh, uh, belief on, just what we just stated. The church existed before the eldership ever existed, didn't it? The church existed before there was ever an elder, a deacon. Uh, the church existed before there was ever a located preacher. Right? Because you had about 3,000 formed the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost with 12 men preaching. And, uh, you know, then, you know, what about uh, the Ethiopian eunuch? Philip baptized him. He goes back off to Ethiopia. Do you think he didn't establish a congregation? Sure he did. I, you know, we don't have a record of him. There's no doubt in my mind that he went to Ethiopia. He began to teach what, what Philip taught him. That's what happened during the New Testament period of time. It's what needs to be happening today. <clears throat> so, whether elder is present or not, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. So they were getting back on track with that. And so this schism resulted in what is known as the separatist movement. Okay, the separatist movement. So now you've got this Protestantism, Protestant movement, and out of this Protestant movement, you have people trying to get back to the proper uh, form, uh, form of baptism. And now we talk about the Lord's Supper had been abused for so long, and now we're, we have another movement, another movement addressing some problems. The separatist movement, where uh, those who held the truth on the Lord's Supper separated from the Baptists. They agreed on baptism, but they didn't agree on the Lord's Supper. Now, why is that important? Why is that important to acknowledge, okay, we see, we agree with you on baptism, but we're going to separate from you anyway, because you don't hold truth on the Lord's Supper. Can a congregation of, of God's people hold truth on everything except one aspect of what God requires? Sure, they can hold truth on baptism. They can hold truth on attendance. They can hold truth on uh, every kind of doctrine. But what if they say, well, we're only going to observe the Lord's Supper twice a year? Is that the New Testament church? Not, is it? So they say, okay, we're getting away from him. We're going to separate. See, that, that points to us how amazing the Word of God is. If you study it long enough, You'll come to understand, wait a minute, this isn't right. We got to, we've got to get out of this. And so we're going to come over here and we're going to try to be what the Bible says. But, you know, the problem is now we're going to call ourselves separatists. Well, that could mean anything, couldn't it? Where are you separating from? You know, well, they're separating from the Baptist church, but how does anybody, you know, I don't read about separatists. Uh, a group called separatists in uh, the Bible. Are we supposed to separate ourselves? Sure we are. But that's not what our name is, right? So I think that's important, though. So in about 1802, and we're kind of getting, clicking off some, some years here, getting into more modern times that we can uh, kind of identify with. There were a few people in Dublin, most of them connected with the religious establishment of that country. And the most noted among them were men by the name of John Walker, G, the initial G, Carr, and a man called Dr. Darby. Now, Darby might be a name familiar with some of us. All of whom had formed religious bodies. Okay? But were they all the same? Absolutely not, and that's the same thing today. You can, we can gather up every religious body in the world, separate religious bodies, 
they're all going to be different, at least in minor points, and that was the case here. <clears throat> you got the Baptists, okay, we, we agree in immersion for the forgiveness of sins, and that's what they believed. Well, now you've got the separatists who say, well, we believe that, but we also believe you have to take the Lord's Supper every day. Well, the Baptists say, well, we believe that too, except when an elder's not present. We have to omit it when an elder's not present. So, you know, we can see we're getting a little closer and a little closer and a little closer to, to where we need to be. And so uh, John Darby helped to establish what is called the Plymouth Brethren. Okay? This is a conservative, nonconformist, evangelical Christian movement of the 1820s. And brethren, they still exist today. Brethren. They still exist today. Maybe, uh, uh, I think they've dropped the name Plymouth, but you have the Brethren's Church. You have the Friends Church. They're very similar. Okay. Um, now, they held the Bible as the supreme authority for church doctrine and practice over and above any other source of authority. Now, we believe that. We believe that. We believe that we have an authority in the church that isn't the authority of the Bible. Now, they've been given authority by the Bible, but where do we read in the Bible about what color the walls are? It ain't there. But we have an authority to decide that, don't we? Yeah, the eldership, or the leadership. Uh, we're going to put poles in here so that... Ceiling, the roof don't cave in. I hope we do. The Bible doesn't say a word about that. Right? So, we believe the Bible is the authority above and over any other authority. Now, we have an authority here to address matters of expediency. Okay? Not doctrine. The doctrine's been set. And so, <clears throat> I don't think they probably look at what they were saying here the way we look at it. But it's a very similar statement. Uh, they saw and see themselves as a network of like-minded, free churches. They don't see themselves as Christian or as a Christian denomination. Does that sound familiar? That sounds exactly what we believe, doesn't it? We're free-thinking people who want to be Christians, and are we a denomination? Have you ever heard? Uh, uh, someone talk about other denominations, and I I, I think that's a, that's a, a slip of the tongue when people say that. I don't think that that members view ourselves as uh, as a denomination, but you know we get so caught up with here in the world talk about this. You know, every once in a while someone will slip up and say, "Well, other denominations." Well, we're not a denomination to begin with. We're pre-denominational, aren't we? We're pre. It's not till First Corinthians thirteen, really. Uh, not that I'm sure there were divisions, but 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 1, when we first read about there being denominations. You had denominations, Paul called them divisions, but that's what a denomination is, isn't it? We have divisions of money in our nation. You have a one, I'm very familiar with those. You know, uh, fives, tens, twenties, hundreds, don't know a whole lot about those, but uh, you know, you got a fifty. Uh, if, you know, if uh, someone want to know something about coins, 
We'd ask Bobby about it. He knew all about denominations and coins, right? Divisions. And what was it that Paul said about divisions? You're not supposed to have them. Don't call yourself a Paulite or Peter Petrite or call yourself after uh, Apollos. Okay, we're, we're, did Paul die for you? Were you baptized in the name of Peter? No, no. And so we have something very similar to these, you know, in a lot of ways to a lot of these organizations, but that's, that stands the reason though, doesn't it? Why? Because they're moving toward what the New Testament teaches. And they're not there yet. But I think we owe them a debt of gratitude because they are uh, moving toward that at this point. Now, there were varying degrees and are varying degrees of practiced fellowship among the brethren. Uh, you have open, closed, and exclusive practices of fellowship within this same denomination. Though they don't view themselves as denominational. What they are is interdenominational. Okay, they don't connect themselves with any kind of uh, group or headquarters, but they are uh, individual denominations or inter interdenominational, okay? <clears throat> but you have open, some of them said, okay, we'll just let anyone in. You have closed where, well, you let someone come in, but they can't do certain things, and you have exclusive where it's only the brethren, okay? And so we see the great differences in them. Uh, they do reject the concept of the clergy. They do adhere to the uh, uh, belief of priesthood of believer, okay, the priesthood of the believer, but they still do not understand the biblical principle of the duty of a pastor, according to Ephesians 4, verse 11. They believe that one of the gifts of which Paul spoke, given to the church, or, uh, was an elder other than it being a specific uh, position or office. They think if someone is compelled to feel like they need to be an elder, uh, you know, and, and they have the lifestyle that has supported the qualifications of an elder, then that person ought to be an elder. Okay? Well, what if, what if they're not in agreement with all those qualifications? You know, what if uh, everybody seems to think that they hold those qualifications. There are a few people that maybe done some dealings with them. And they say, oh, wait a minute. Not him. I knew of an example like that up in Crossville, Tennessee. There's a fellow that uh, wanted to be an elder, wanted to be an elder, wanted to be an elder, and he just, <clears throat> they wouldn't let him be an elder. He was a trader. He kind of traded around, did different things. Hey, listen, he went on a lot of mission works. He did a lot of great things in the church. <clears throat> but like a lot of traders, right? You, and we've all known people who kind of trade around, make a living. He just couldn't help himself. He would uh, skin you in a trade. You know, he'd, that, and that's being dishonest, isn't it? That's not having a good reputation among the people. And so not everybody realized that, but a few people did. So you know what he did? He just went off to another little smaller congregation, became an elder there. And so, you know, <clears throat> can't do it that way. 
Can't do it that way. They didn't recognize either that a pastor was a bishop, was a presbyter, was an elder, was an overseer. They didn't recognize that. They thought pastor was, uh, was a gift. Now they did see a problem in the religious practices of a whole lot of uh, the organizations around them, and because of that, they separated themselves from those organizations, Okay, which was a great thing. Uh, they believed, and rightly so, that even two or three disciples coming together in one place, united together in the truth of the apostolic gospel, and in obedience to those precepts, constituted, and this is in their words, the church of Christ. The church of Christ. Which is, we're moving a little closer, aren't we? Moving a little closer. So I think we owe them a, owe them a debt of getting that moving a little bit. Any comments or questions? Yeah. <clears throat> they just kind of gave up the, the, the tyranny. They, they never went out of existence. But it was just like over in uh, Germany. They said, okay, if you want to be a member of the Catholic Church, you can be. If you don't, you know, they, they, lost, they lost their power secularly. Lost their power secularly. But they still had, they were still the vast majority probably in the world at that time or in Europe at that time. And, you know, you just had members who, you know, Martin Luther, he never left the Catholic Church. You know, we're going to talk about John Wesley here in a moment. He never left the Church of England. He never left it. And so you still had those, had those members that were like that. Good comment. <clears throat> Good question. Anything else? Okay, so you see these people coming to a greater idea <clears throat> of what the church ought to be. They did understand justification. They understood what that meant. Uh, they understood that justification and eternal life were connected. Catholic Church never understood that, did they? Uh, eternal life, you could buy eternal life. You could buy justification. Well, that's not how it works. Uh, now, what they talked about when they talked about justification and eternal life was centered on, and rightly so, belief of the things declared in the Scriptures. So, how'd they, how'd they view repentance? They didn't review repentance like the Catholic Church did. I'm going to go buy uh, an indulgence. Repentance means a complete change of mind and action. They understood that. So they were, they were grasping these uh, uh, biblical precepts. They were doing a good job in a lot of ways. Uh, they also believed any successor to the apostles or any change to Christ's law was completely unchristian. So who claims to be the successor of the apostles? The Pope. Well, now we have... Now we have in, in our modern times, uh, which came about in the 1800s, was the Mormon Church. Now they they hold that they've got 13 apostles out in Salt Lake City, but they weren't they weren't in business at this time. So they said if you if you try to be the successor to the apostles, you try to change the the doctrine of the New Testament. That's wholly unchristian, and they did not tolerate any men of a of a. Uh, uh, 
a type of clergy, you know, for lack of a better term, they didn't hold to the clergy, but uh, people who were any kind of a preacher or a teacher, they would not tolerate them in the church, in their church. So they booted them out. They also believed, uh, uh, and they missed it here, they believed uh, the Scriptures taught the community of goods. Now, in other words, they, they, they taught socialism, socialistic aspect of uh, I'll take what I've got, or we all, t- we, we all throw our money in the pile, and we divide it evenly among how many ever numbers we got. Well, that's, not, that's foreign to the Bible. But where do they go? Where do you think they went to, to prove that? <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, where it says they had all things in common. Okay, now, they would also say, well, look what happened in Acts chapter 5. People sold everything and gave it to the church. Well, <clears throat> in neither place does that support this concept of socialism and we use Acts chapter 5 to demonstrate that Acts chapter 2 did not teach that because what could you do in Acts chapter 5 when people were selling off everything they had or parts of what excuse me what they had and giving it to church what was it was in their power to do it wasn't it and I believe if we look at the statement that Peter made to Ananias what did he tell him was it not in your power to do with it what you want? I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. You don't. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do it at all. In fact, he kept back half the price, didn't he? And so they missed it there. They missed it there. Uh, now, here's something where they didn't miss it. Have you ever heard someone talk about the Christian Sabbath? The Christian Sabbath. They say, well, Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. Where's that stated in the New Testament? Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. What does, what's Sabbath? Sabbath's a day of rest, right? We're not, we're not commanded a day of rest. We have a day of worship. In fact, what did the Jews have to do on that Sabbath day? What was the requirement? You don't do anything. You rest. It wasn't a day of worship. They could do uh, things that they had to do Right? Your ox gets caught in the ditch. Well, go get the thing. Get it out of the ditch. But don't go pick up a handful of, of uh, sticks for firewood because then you'll get stoned to death. That's frivolous, right? Uh, uh, you know, do your cooking before. Make sure you got everything in order. You know, if some poor starving guy comes by, are we going to just let him sit out and starve? No, we're going to bring him in. Uh you know, if, uh, during the time of the miraculous, if uh, Jesus were to come across someone who needed healing on the Sabbath day, what'd he do? He held them. Well, wouldn't some of you same people who are fussing about this not get your ox out of the ditch? Sure you would. So there's no Christian Sabbath day doesn't exist. They believed that. They held to that. So again, we see different aspects of them moving in the correct uh, direction. And, of course, uh, the Sabbath period passed away, right? <clears throat> when Christ died on the cross. They believed that they were bound to meet on the first day of the week. Why? To memorialize Christ's resurrection, to show His death, 
in taking and observing the Lord's Supper. And they took, used bread and wine as the symbols. Okay? Now, I'm not sure what they meant with by wine here. I don't know if they meant wine in the, in the scriptural context of it being grape juice with no leaven in it to cause it to ferment or if it was alcoholic wine. I'm not sure what they meant there, but they recognized <clears throat> that they had to take the proper symbols uh, to remember the Lord's body and His blood. Um, now, they did observe some other things. They observed some other things that were outside of what the New Testament teaches. <clears throat> Have you ever heard of a, uh, anybody observing the holy kiss? Yeah, you know, where do we read about that? Paul told those in Rome and greet you one another with a holy kiss. They observed the holy kiss. Now, I believe there are exceptions to that rule among people today. Some fella shows up, hadn't had a bath in about a month, got a Grizzly Adams beer, and yesterday's lunch all caught up in it. Got a whole lot of people lined up to give him a holy kiss. But what was the holy kiss? Like our handshake today, it was a custom at that time among the brethren. Anybody here been to France? I've never been to France. Wilma's been to France. They like to kiss you on the cheek, right? I'm not really into that. I don't want to kiss some man on the cheek. But that was that's their custom, right? What do we do? We shake hands. You know, we shake hands. Do we hug each other? I'm sure we do. That's okay. Uh, that's our custom. And so they did observe the holy kiss. Uh, uh, but they also did believe that one was to meet when they came together to sing, to pray, to read the scripture, to exhort and admonish one another as brethren according to their several gifts and abilities. And they also contributed of their means. So they did all that. And that's what we do, right? Again, <clears throat> I'm not real clear on what they, how they understood the term gifts. Okay, I know that they still believe in the miraculous, but I don't know if they're talking about people prophesying and things like that, so I'm not real sure. But uh, we believe that statement, but we understand what gifts would mean to us today, right? Uh, not everybody's a song leader. Not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody can... Uh, you know, is someone who who leads public prayer or whatever. Now, those are all things that we probably ought to work on being able to do, but we need to understand what our several gifts are. And, uh, you know, if you've got someone that's really good at leading and singing, it's probably a little better for them to do it than for me to do it. You know, but could I do it? Sure, I can do it. I can start a song. I don't know if we call that leading, but I can do it if we need to do it, Right? Uh, they saw the need to practice apostolic discipline, withdrawal of fellowship. They saw the importance of that. Uh, you know, uh, when, uh, again, we talked a little bit about the eldership, when uh, they saw a man that they felt like met the qualifications of an elder, they were uh, compelled to make him be an elder. They didn't ask him if he wanted to be an elder. 
they just appointed him elder. Now, whether he, whether he uh, uh, did anything in recognition of that office, maybe not. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But they still felt compelled if they said, okay, he's married, he's faithful, got faithful children, uh, you know, got a good reputation, you know, he's a teacher, he's well-versed, he can stop the mouths of the gainsayers, he, he's not given to much wine, he's not uh, after filthy lucre or filthy money, he's not greedy, he's, he's patient, he doesn't fly off the handle. Well, he's an elder. Well, they never asked if he wanted to be an elder. What's the first qualification of being an elder? Desire the job. Desire the job, right? So they, they, they felt that. Uh, another aspect they misunderstood was the practice of baptism. They cast it aside as anti-Christian unless it was for the heathen, the non-believer. They had baptized the non-believer, but if you, you're already a believer in God, you see, now, how far back do you go? See, that's another problem with that, right? Well, at some point, everyone who's a believer in God became a believer in God at a point in time, right? Not born believers in God. So that's an issue, but that's one thing they held. Uh, But that heathen had to, uh, on conversion, had made no previous confession of his faith. So that, that was a little different. Uh, their mistake was the belief that baptism intended to mark the mere profession of a Christian faith. Now, that, that's in line of what denominations think today, particularly the Baptist church, right? It's an outward sign of an inner faith. So that's, uh, you know, they were more in line with that of today. Now, while the Plymouth Brethren were scriptural in a number of things, they fell very short in a whole lot of other things, okay? Uh so at this point we can see we haven't really started to uncover the restoration movement yet. So uh, uh, we still have yet to determine any group that we've come across in this series so far as a group of people who were willing to go back to the New Testament. But next time we're going to begin with the restoration movement. People wanting to go back. Okay? Because up to this point, we still see groups that are still tied in a whole lot of ways to secular beliefs and secular movements. Okay? But through all of what has happened up to this point, has now lent itself to the beginnings of the restoration movement. And now we're going to introduce ourselves to people who said, look, we want to go back to the New Testament. We want to go back to the New Testament. Okay? Now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, just the Church of England and some things they did because of they, that lent itself to people saying, we're out. Uh, John Wesley, you know, the, the, uh, the Wesleyan Church. He, there's a couple different organizations that call themselves after him, the Methodist and the Wesleyan Church. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them other than they lent themselves to people saying, well, that's not right. We won't go back to the New Testament. So next time we're going to pick up here at this point, excuse me, and we've talked about the falling away. We've talked about the Reformation. Now we're going to begin the Restoration because 
we've gotten to the point in history where that's what is next. And that's the only thing that can happen from this point on. Thank you so much.